Well, I'm very appreciative of what happened here tonight, certainly, and that the the sisters and everyone here at Aloka Vihara was willing to host this and everyone's comments and contributions to the discussion and I think some real movement of the heart. Um, Lately, my involvement in the climate movement is shifting more and more to sharing how we can use the Dhamma to help us address this this situation that we find ourselves in. And there are a few things uh, that are extremely helpful in the tools that the Buddha gave us. First of all, the Buddha really encouraged us to look at the way things actually are and to be able to do that with regard to what's happening on so many levels with regard to climate change and the systems that are in place in our world. It has an element, when, when we really look at the way things actually are, there's an element of relief, even though it can be difficult. It's that element of, that says we, we can actually, if I, if I see the way things are and I take that in, there's a, there's a kind of sigh of relief. Okay, I, I see how it is. I'm not blocking anything out. There's nothing lurking in the background that I'm, that I'm unwilling to see. So when we see things as they are, though, there's also another side of it with this particular situation. For example, a lot of different emotions can arise, and the Buddha gave us the tools to work with those feelings. He gave us the Four Noble Truths, and so as we look at, you know, the suffering we may experience or the stress, acute emotions like fear or sadness, anger, and then applying the first three noble truths so we can stay present with what we're feeling internally and take care of ourselves and be present with what it is we want to have be different. Really really holding that, developing the, the sort of spiritual capacity, the muscle, to be able to stay present with those feelings until they shift and change. Bearing with them, being attentive, being mindful, so that we're not consumed by them, but present with those feelings. And as we stay with any kind of negative acute negative feeling like that until it completes its its course, it runs its course, then we have new strength. We, we know we don't have to be controlled by those feelings. The second noble truth of seeing the, the cause, the, the attachment, the clinging, what is it that I want to have be different than it is that's causing the suffering and being able to 
to work with that until there is a completion of that energy and a cessation in the third noble truth. We can take every aspect of the Noble Eightfold Path and cultivate it with this world situation as sort of the, the backdrop and recognize that we can develop a, a renewed sense of our own sila, morality, our ability to stay present, our ability to cultivate kindness and generosity, patience. And then I've also noticed that besides acute feelings, feelings that come on, that that have a little span of time and then they, they fade again, we have, sometimes we experience more chronic negative feeling. And my experience of this is if if I'm immersing myself quite thoroughly in this information about climate change, then sometimes what can happen is more of a, of a decline in mood, maybe some depression or despair. And what I find then that the Buddha offered is to really apply the idea of what's wise attention and what's unwise attention. So I pull back from immersing myself in climate and I turn to Dhamma. More Dhamma and less climate. Because it's like we need to know what's going on, but we don't need to you know, keep focusing on it so much that it takes us down. And instead, turn our attention to that which lifts us up and strengthens the heart. And I find that actually works really well. To be able to go back to the teachings, go back to my spiritual friends, spend time together focused on what's encouraging and uplifting. And then there's the the element of actually finding the the way in which we can express our own values around this. So there's such a fabulous, really, opportunity in developing our, our own inner spiritual strength and taking care of each other, our creating, generating, developing spiritual friendship to support our standing up for what we really value. And that can be done on the level of thought and word and action so that we follow through on, you know, speaking about what's true as much as possible in ways that are kind and open-hearted to help people be supported and, and come together. That there is a, a real joy and a, and, a, and a comfort and an encouragement in, in, in speaking truth and participating in 
actions that are in alignment with our values. One of the things that's been so uplifting and inspiring and joyful is to participate in actions together with all kinds of people from all different walks of life who really are holding the same concerns about the poor, about the vulnerable, about the future generations, about um, the animals, life on this planet and how it goes forward. And wanting, um, I hear it expressed again and again, where people, whether they're coming from a secular perspective or a spiritual perspective, wanting uh, to really encourage what's good and to really have a, a society that's more, more just, where there's protection, more protection for those who are vulnerable. I find this really beautiful. It's so interesting to me that the message is so consistent, whether I'm at a 350.org meeting or I'm, I'm uh, at you know, an interfaith climate meeting or listening to, to people who have children, listening to people from every different other faith. It's, it's really a warm, heartwarming, encouraging. And then the joy that comes from coming together to take action and to recognize that there are many steps in this process. And there's a, a deepening of our own sense of our own, the value of our own contribution. One of the things that Ajahn Amaro said to me one time is that there's... Everything in this realm is preconditioned. There are reasons, causes, and conditions for what's happening now. But nothing is predetermined. So one thing to remember is we don't really, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, if we start to take a, a view that that takes us to a, a, a mental state that's that's very negative, we can remind ourselves we don't really know what's going to happen. And that's that story that you've probably all heard a number of times of the Chinese farmer and how, you know, he he gets this horse and all the neighbors say, this is great, this is wonderful, now you have a horse to help you do the work. And the farmer says, it's too soon to tell. And then horse runs away and all the neighbors say oh my gosh that's so sad that's so terrible you laid out money for this horse and now it's gone and the farmer says it's too soon to tell and the horse comes back with you know, another horse and now he's got two horses and you get how it goes each change until you know his son breaks the leg breaking the new horse and then he doesn't have to go to war and on and on okay so we don't really know we don't really know if this is going to be a narrow space that opens up into a broad 
new life. And much of how we experience whatever is happening is up to us. The Buddha places the and Buddhism places the responsibility squarely in our hands as to how we respond. And I find that there's there's so much of what the Buddha says that gives us this opportunity to take this moment this week, this month, this year to cultivate to develop our ability to be patient be endure in, in, to endure and to support One thing that we know is that things are changing. It seems faster than ever before. And so we have this 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 opportunity to practice. We've got this wonderful this wonderful good fortune to be exposed to the Dhamma, to the Buddhist teaching. We've got this opportunity to be part of a life, lifestyle connected with monastic life of of simplicity. Um, Being able to look at how how do we want to live? How do we want to live? How can we employ the kind of simplicity that the Buddha talked about with four things that we need, just four things. Three robes, enough food for a meal, shelter, medicine, the basics. We could add water, pure water, and and that this is um, a way of looking at life that frees us from the the sort of requirement to gain gain this, that, and the next thing. To really see how we can live in a in a way that leads to greater sharing, greater Simplicity, greater connection with each other. This is a time when keeping the precepts and cultivating our our ability to really stand on the basis of those values is ever more important. And the refuge 
the refuge of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. It's a refuge beyond this world, beyond the values that we commonly find in the world. This is where we meet one another, regardless of our faith background, regardless of of um, our economic situations, where we can find a connection in humanity, that which we, the things we care about. It struck me when Naomi Klein talked about this idea that human beings are selfish and greedy and short-sighted. And of course we are sometimes. We all struggle. We all have our perception clouded by defilement one way or another. But we also have the other side the selfless side, the generous side, the side that looks to the long view, the truly long view. And this is what the Buddha did every time someone came to him with a, with a, a deep suffering, like Patachara when she came and her husband and her two children, her brand new baby and her toddler and her parents and her brother all were killed in the same day. And then she lost her mind. Unfortunately, she was able to come to the Buddha. And when she came before him, he said, Sister, regain your mindfulness. And she did. And he taught her the Dhamma. And right there, she entered the stream. And she became a bhikkhuni. And she became an arahant. And, the, and the, what the Buddha taught her in that moment was to look at the big picture. That, that there's something much larger than this immediate family, than this immediate loss. The eons, the lifetime after lifetime. And that there is something beyond these cycles of suffering. And, you know, when we step back and we take the longer view, then we're encouraged, uplifted. We can, we can walk through the suffering we experience in the moment. It will end. So we have these opportunities and choices and we have this wonderful friendship to support us remind us to come back to what's selfless what's generous and kind what is truly a a beautiful giving and receiving that makes each relationship in our life, including our relationship with the earth, sustainable. <laughs>